Hello and welcome to Speak Female, the podcast that is on a mission to empower, coach and educate women and allies around the world to become more confident, knowledgeable and to have the opportunity to listen to real subjects they can either relate to or learn something from. This season is all about female empowerment and leadership. So at the end of each interview, I will be reading out a quote that has been selected by my guest. I'm your host, Lucy Grimwade, professional development coach, senior IT manager, and of course, podcaster. You'll now find that in between the episodes, you'll have access to five minute coaching hosted by me. If you'd like to find out more about Speak Female and coaching, you can connect with me across all social media platforms or email me coaching at lucygrimwades.com. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm joined by Sam Harmon, stylist and editor who helps women entrepreneurs get confident in their brand. With experience as award-winning editor and her personal styling qualifications are just two ingredients that help ambitious women live their biggest, boldest, best lives. Today, Sam joins me as we talk about an array of topics from her background and how things have shaped her and overcoming negative experiences. Welcome, Sam, to Speak Female. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, honestly, I'm so excited to have you on here. Really enjoyed reading some of your, um, when I asked people to kind of sign up to my podcast, reading your kind of story. And what really kind of spoke to me was just about how you were very young when you became an editor um, and just those negative experiences that you have as a young, attractive woman kind of stepping into a senior role. I wondered if you could talk to me a little bit more around that. Yeah, it was. uh, When I started in newspapers, there were not very many women that I could see when I was younger I could not see very many women doing the kind of role that I wanted to do and when I went on work experience every single news editor from the chief reporter upwards was a man and when I then went to finally got a job on newspapers worked really hard I did face a lot of negativity the first editor that actually gave me a job who then became my he became my mentor Actually, the first meeting that we had, he said to me, I think that you're too into fashion to be a serious reporter. Obviously, I very much, when someone tells me I can't do something, I have to prove them wrong. So I always had that in the back of my mind that I was going to prove him wrong. And I did. And he then gave me my first job on a news desk. And he said to me at the time, I was 24, and he said, you know, people will, people do have a problem with this. He was getting... Um, comments from other editors who at the time were all mid-50s, 60s, white men from very privileged backgrounds getting negativity from them and that's something that then continued throughout becoming an editor in the areas that I was. So when I took over at the Bucks Press I was the first female editor in 160 years. Wow. And I got one man who um, actually cut up a edition of the newspaper put it in a box went to the post office and sent it to me with a with a lovely note telling me you know how disgusting it was that I was doing this job um so yes I had it all (laughs) yeah yeah it's it is it is it's it's unbelievable but um that kind of obviously is a more serious side to it and you know when you get people talking about your appearance on um, the comments threads. And then the other side of it is the less 
kind of deliberate, but still um, a little bit ignorant is when you go to an event, which has happened to me a lot. I've been to an event with my deputy, one who was a young man and one who was an older man, who was a man in his 50s. And every single time people would assume that he was my boss. They say to me, what's it like working for him? And I would say, I don't know, because I don't work for him. He works for me. And it's just the assumption of that is the kind of person we see in charge is, you know, a, a middle-aged privileged white man. That's who we see as the authority. And it's hard to battle against that stereotype. And actually, I've had a chat with a couple of projects that I'm working on. And one of the producers said to me, the other day that one of the reasons that they wanted me to work with them is because when they were doing their research I'm pretty much the only young woman that they could find in this industry who's actually speaking about being in the industry um so yeah I'm very keen to help young women overcome not only other people's stereotypes and negativity but their own sense of not being good enough and imposter syndrome and letting them know that they absolutely are good enough to do those roles mm. and they should and the more diversity we have in newsrooms and everywhere else the more that we can represent our our society yeah do you know I know I laughed when you were saying that but it, it was like either laugh or cry and it, you know in my chest I feel so angry and so hurt as well for you I wonder how have you kept yourself so resilient? I'm I am very resilient. Um, I think it's a lot of it is to do with where I come from because I grew up on a council estate. We did not have any money. I had holes in my clothes, my dad worked three jobs, and um he very much told me that there was nothing that I couldn't do. And helped me believe that and when I eventually ended up going to a better school a lot of the children there who were from more privileged backgrounds than me would say stuff to me like you're a grover you'll never move off the council estate you're worthless and obviously they're children they don't know I'm sure now if they remembered that they said that they'd be really embarrassed um but it that kind of stuck with me and I just was so passionate about proving people wrong I suppose just very tenacious and it, it's it is so hard to continue when that kind of stuff happens to you and you know I've got a lot of negativity online was a really big issue for me when I was running the newspapers um and it 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 got to a point where I was thinking I don't know who these people are they're saying this to me they could be stood next to me in the coffee shop and it's very hard to then can just continue to go about your business but you can't let anyone else stop you. You just have to know that what you're doing is right and just try and carry on. What about your well-being, your mental health? How did you keep that kind of in check? That was tough. So um, last year, early last year, I so I was running a team of about 15 and I brought in a lot. Reporters are young because typically... They don't get paid very much they move to wherever the jobs are so they don't have a community around them to support them and they're getting a lot of online abuse and I felt as their manager 
that it was important. I was getting abused too, but it was important for me to in some way protect them. So I went to the management and I said, this is a real issue, not just here, but in every single newsroom. Um, we need to do something about it. So I then commissioned a survey because the managers said, well, we need to know how bad the problem actually is. I commissioned a survey, had 400 responses, and there were some shocking stories on there, like people having to leave their homes or getting death threats, rape threats, particularly for women and particularly for black and ethnic minority women is really bad. And I personally, I just think that's wrong. So I started talking a lot about it, ended up having a meeting with the Department of Culture, the Department of Media, Culture and Sport, and ended up working with them on a safety for journalists bill. So that's something that's happening at the moment, um, which hopefully will help its... There's a lot of issues in the industry. I think, number one, publishers make money from online articles because the more people that read your article, the more page views you have, the more money you can make from advertising. So what they want is people attracted to the articles and they know that sometimes horrible comments attract people. Even if people aren't writing them themselves, the first thing that they'll do, read the headline, go to the comments and look at all this horrible negative abuse. So they, on one hand, need people to comment. They need people to read to sustain the industry. Then on the other hand, obviously, is the public. And I think there's massive education that needs to be done about what isn't, isn't okay to say online to people. It's not okay. If you wouldn't say it to someone's face in public, you shouldn't be going on the internet, hiding behind the internet, saying stuff about people. And sometimes it's not even to the journalist, it's about people in the stories or it's about society, it's about things in general. And actually reading that is really, um, it, it does have a really bad negative effect on your well-being and you start to see the world really negatively. So yeah, I commissioned this survey, then I decided that because I didn't see the change happening that needed to happen I and I got burnout if I'm being honest I had to I had to step down from that I couldn't do that any longer and after I did that I I feel just I feel so much better honestly I just view the world so much better now than I did when I was in that job having to read all of our stuff all of the time it's when you were just talking about that, my mind was going to a lot of stuff that is in the media at the moment around the abuse that people are getting online. And I wondered, you know, from kind of your lens, because you're you're in that industry, what can like the general public do to try and protect people like yourself and even celebrities as well? Because it, it does need to shift, and it does need to change. And just from my perspective, perhaps naively, when I look at people's Instagram pages, for example, and then I read what people are writing, I'm horrified what people write to, to celebrities or maybe like B-list celebrities. And I think that is a human being on the other end of that page. People do read this. So, you know, me, me as a kind of general public person, what could I do to kind of help protect? I think, honestly, the... Sometimes it's it's difficult when you see that stuff because you think, I don't want to get involved in it. Obviously, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that stuff. I would say 
one place that you could go is to your MP. So I write to my, I think my MP absolutely hates me. <laughs> He's hated me since I was the editor and now because I write to him. Um, I think write to your MP and say that you're concerned about this. And and in a way, you know, MPs get a lot of abuse anyway. And the problem that the, the public have is that they think, well, if you're a public, you have a public figure, you're a public life, then you bring this on yourself. That is what a lot of people say. Even people in my own family, when I talk about this stuff, will say, well, you know, you've got a public profile, so what do you expect? But I don't expect to be threatened or, you know, for people to say this kind of stuff to me. And I just, sometimes it's not even abuse. It's, for example, I know someone who the other day got a message from a business who is a, they're a branding business and they messaged the person that I know saying, your brand is, is rubbish. Like your brand's terrible. It's awful. Um, what you're selling doesn't come across in your branding. You need to sort it out. Let's get on a call and we can help you. Now that I would never try and get clients by being horrible to someone. That's just not the way to do business. But obviously the person who sent that just didn't think about the person on the other end of the message. That's the number one thing that we need to do is just remember that people are human beings and actually what you say online does matter. I've had incidents where last year when I was feeling really bad, I had this message from this lady and it was so horrible. It made me cry. And usually I tried to just ignore it, delete it, forget about it. It it made me cry. It was that bad. And I thought I'm going to reply to her and just explain to her what this message did. So I replied to her and she then replied back saying, I'm sorry, I'm a keyboard warrior. When I'm angry, I go on the internet, I find someone and I just message them and take it out on them. And that is a massive problem and we call these people trolls we call online abusers trolls and that kind of takes away some of their responsibility because we other them we we say oh it's just a troll actually it's not it could be your neighbor could be your postman could be the person serving you in the shop these are people all around you saying this stuff online um and it it is really sad because they must be so unhappy like what an unhappy society we live in where people are using the internet as some form of anger management so yes I think number one just remember people are human two just think about what you're saying even if you think you know that you're not if you think you're being helpful just reread what you're actually saying and third if you want change write to your MP because Google and Facebook have a hell of a lot of sway they take something like you know 42 percent of the advertising market so they they are in charge and australia at the moment is doing a review of facebook and google and thinking about regulation which as much as you know freedom of expression is a fundamental right some of this stuff has to be regulated we can't continue down the road that we're going i also wonder whether there's um I've just from my own personal experience when I've seen stuff I haven't liked I've actually used the report button on social media 
Um, I've even reported once a um, job spec that was on because they were using male language, like he would do this as a manager and I didn't like that. So I reported it to LinkedIn. So I think also as well, I'm sure the more people that report that, the more that the Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, those companies will go, oh, hold on a minute here. There's now been a thousand people report this. I need to look at this and, and shut that account down. So I think using those buttons as well, would you would you think? Yeah, yeah? definitely. Okay. Definitely, yeah. If you see something, just, you know, you don't have to speak out as in call out the person who said it, but you could report it, yeah, rather yeah. than just scrolling on by. It's like you know when you see these things happen in the street do you just would you just walk by would you just walk by someone being abused in the street I could I wouldn't and I couldn't um would you because that's what's happening when you just walk by you just scroll by all of this abuse so all of this this journey kind of adding to your ingredients almost of of you know what you do as a business does this help you propel you forwards as you work with other women to kind of make sure that they can feel more confident in their lives? Yes, that is my, I feel like it's my calling in life, as it were. Um, because I did get to that job at a young age, I have had this stuff happen to me and I've had to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs, both my own and other people's expectations of me. And it's something that I saw in my role and I still see it now, if I had a role that was kind of high level in the newsroom and I advertised it and I would know two or three amazing women who would be really good for that role, who were overqualified to do that role. And I would speak to them about it and they'd say, oh, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough to do that. Meanwhile, men who are underqualified will look at the job spec and be like, yeah, I could do that. I'm, I'm, I could, of course I could do that and apply for the job. And that is a problem. It's a problem in all our industries, because actually the thing that I found is that women, a lot of the time, are just so resourceful, organised, level headed. They do a lot of the emotional labour in the workforce as well, um, which men don't tend to see is there for them to do or that they don't really feel is their job. And as a woman, if you're a woman in a a high level position you find that you do end up doing a lot of that emotional labor because you just you obviously you care about people um so I think it's massively important to empower women to know that they can do those roles and also because we write women off when they have children this happens in the newsroom all the time where a woman will basically it's like well you've had a child so that's the end of your that's the end of your newsroom journey you know you have to go back to being a reporter what rubbish the part-time mums that I had in my team were the best workers they would come in they would get it done they were you know organized resourceful just everything they do they're way more productive because they know how to effectively manage their time and manage people and to write women off like that is just insane if you have a business I just find that absolutely crazy that you would do that so I think it's just really it's so important to make women see that they can and actually a lot of the limiting beliefs they're holding on to aren't theirs they were never theirs in the first place they're put on you from the age of three upwards you just soak them all in like a sponge and actually the person you are hasn't changed you're just underneath all of this 
limiting rubbish and it's my job to help you lift all of that off and free yourself and just once you do that it's work every single day to to get there I still have to work on it every single day but it feels amazing yeah completely you know it's very speak female of you saying what you've just said there because something that I've noticed in my career so I've been a woman in tech from the time I was at university into the roles that I'm in now so very female very female very feminine woman in a male-dominated industry and you're right there's so many limiting beliefs and when I speak to people they're like oh you know similar to your story that you said you know people go oh it's so and so is that your manager and I'm like no 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 I'm his manager oh yeah like hello and it's about trying to change some of the language so some of the work that I've been doing both in my corporate and in with my coaching business is looking at the language that we use and not just on on content that we put out there you know the way we talk to each other the way we talk to people to talk to our friends I just wanted to kind of ask you a question around that have you seen kind of a shift in language at all or do you think we're still very stuck in the whole kind of he's the manager yeah so last night my husband was watching boxing and it was women's boxing and afterwards they had the press conference and the boxing agent repeatedly referred to the two female boxers as girls and then when it came to the male boxing he called them men and actually my husband said this is wrong why are we referring to grown successful women in the boxing ring as girls and we're calling men we're not calling them boys we're calling them men it's just it that this kind of stuff happens all the time around us and it's only when you start to know to see it that you really notice it and I haven't really noticed as much of a change as I would like and actually it's one thing that does disappoint me about media is that I've been working in the media now for since I started actually work experience in newsrooms probably about 15 years and in that time you know on Friday I had a call with a producer and the producer said to me we can't really see any other women in local media apart from you that's how you know, in 15 years, that's still the situation. And that to me is not okay. And I personally don't feel that publishers are doing enough to get women into those roles and to make the workplace a healthy environment. Hopefully, because of the pandemic, corporates will start thinking about this stuff a little bit more. Um, And the other way it comes across is that if you are a woman in, in a corporate or kind of high or any kind of role, when you send emails, for example, you are expected to be apologetic. You're expected to say, oh, I'm really sorry, but would you mind just doing your job? Like, I'm so sorry to trouble you, but, you know, exclamation mark here, kiss there, smiley face, whatever. I don't know how many times that I've been called a bitch <laughs> just mm-hmm. for asking someone to do their job. Like, that's that's how it is for women. Women get judged for what they wear, how they speak to people. Um, and that's still happening now. And that is something that massively needs to change. I, I, and I laugh when people, when women say that to me, you know, you know, I've been kind of judged and being called a bitch because I've been perhaps aggressive in my tone. And the reason why I laugh is because when I, when I am at work and I'm aggressive, aggressive in my tone or 
again I'm not being aggressive at all I'm just kind of you know being like excuse me you've not done this can you can you get your shit together and do that please um I'm told can you do that more you know we like we like it when you're aggressive we like it and I just think all right okay and sometimes I'm it's sometimes the opposite and I think other women can can kind of resonate with this too is that sometimes you're told that you're too nice and I just think well what's what's wrong with being what's wrong with being a nice person you know and it's almost like oh Lucy you're being too nice can you not try and be so nice please and then when I'm aggressive aggressive I'm doing air quotes there it's like oh you know well done keep doing that but then I don't I don't feel authentically me yeah. So I think there's something around finding your authentic balance, whether you want to kind of, you know, whatever your approach is to work should all be celebrated because everybody's different in the way we approach things. Yeah. So I wanted to really ask you around um, a bit more around your background, if that's OK, with how you kind of where you've come from and where you are now. What what was the kind of shift for you? So you, you kind of said there at the beginning, you know, your parents um, kind of had three jobs getting you through. Talk to me about that journey and how that's kind of shaped you and added again to your ingredients to making wonderful you. <laughs> it's, yeah, I definitely, I actually, uh, something that came, that came up yesterday when I was watching this boxing was that there was a fighter from that, the kind of background and, the agent was saying it gives it gives them a little bit of an edge when they come from that kind of place because it's like you're always trying to prove to yourself and other people that you can do it um so yes I grew up on a council estate and my parents were amazing but we did not have money they worked I mean I remember like my dad working he would never be home because he was always working there was one Christmas where he was a milkman and he came home with these envelopes because people had left tips and in these envelopes were not even notes it was literally like the maximum was a one pound coin and me and my sisters were like oh my god this is so much money I remember like getting these pennies <laughs> and throwing them in the air and being like we're rich we're rich beyond our wildest dreams um but they always told me that there was nothing that I couldn't do. And I was quite lucky, I guess, in that a couple of teachers saw that. So the writing and everything, that's kind of like naturally what I was really good at and saw that and, and encouraged that. Um, because, you know, a lot of the kids that I went to school with were so much more intelligent than me, naturally intelligent than me. And they just didn't have the opportunities that I had and now I feel very passionate if where I can where I see where I see myself hopefully going is being able to help more kids from backgrounds like that into wherever actually wherever they want to go whatever they want to do just letting them know they can do it because in this country I mean I've been to when I think it is crazy like I've been to Buckingham Palace I met the Queen and when I was at Buckingham Palace, I was in the garden, this big, expansive, beautiful, lovely garden. And when you look over to your right, there's massive tower blocks right next to it. And to me, that moment was, it, I didn't think, oh my God, I'm at Buckingham Palace, it's amazing. I actually thought this sums up Britain, Like this, this, this photo right here in my mind sums it up. You've got massive privilege and wealth and then massive, you know, 
deprivation and actually it doesn't make people less talented or gifted or intelligent wherever they're from wherever they're from they deserve they deserve opportunities so yeah I feel very passionate about helping them get those opportunities but obviously I'm I am I'm was privileged in so many ways like my parents were amazing and they really instilled in me hard work although sometimes I think now when I do my work around my own limiting beliefs that is a, a bit of a detriment to me because I then thought the only way to get successful to be valid is to work like an absolute like to work like a workhorse and so that is what I got into in my corporate career I worked myself to the point of exhaustion because I thought that was the only way that I could be valid yeah yeah and just kind of picking up on what you've just said there around working really hard and again I'm, I think I'm a similar age to you in the sense that my I my mum brought me up she was a single single mother and she she's the reason to why I'm the strong woman that I am today because she was like go and earn your own money go and get a degree go and you know push 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 and she did push me and I you know as much as I've had burnout too and I've kind of had to have time off work because I've been so stressed she is the reason to why I'm so like nope I'm a strong woman I can do this da 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 I wonder if there's anything that we need to put in, pay, in place as, as strong women that we need to recognise any triggers. Do you have anything where you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm starting to overwork again. I'm starting to feel this. Is there, are there any kind of warning signs that flash to you? Yeah, I just, when I start to just feel a bit tight, I guess tired. Um, but I think another thing that we need to look at is actually our working patterns because I was reading an article yesterday that said there was a study about productivity and actually people are only productive doing the work for about two and a half hours a day. But yeah, we have this kind of work day where we're like nine to five or probably later. Um, I When I'm really passionate about something, so about my business, I'm so passionate about it. I just think I just love doing it. I love thinking about it all the time. Um, I find it hard to have a break from it, but I I guess I'm quite lucky that I have a husband who will say, you need to get off the laptop now. You need to, you know, that having a rest is just as important as doing the work. Um, so he is kind of my warning light I suppose but that's because last year he saw me go through burnout and actually a lot of that burnout was to do with the feelings of validation because I thought you know it was very much like sink or swim and if you you know if you can't work like this someone else will and so when it was like nine o'clock at night and I still hadn't finished stuff I felt that I had like it was on me I had to do it I had to get it done yeah, I'm very similar to you as well, actually. I think just last night I was um, sat on my phone doing something on Instagram for my business and I was just messing about. And my my boyfriend turned around to me and said, are you going to be on your phone all night or are you going to watch television with me? And I was a bit like, mm, okay. <laughs> Put my phone to one side. I thought that was a very polite way of saying, get off your phone. Um, so it's that's quite nice. And also I think you're right, when you're feeling tired, 
or if you start to kind of feel overworked and you're you know listen to your body be I'm really big on like being in tune with your body if your body is saying rest rest you can always come back to it and if you have like all these wild ideas write them all down you can come back to them tomorrow yeah yeah absolutely so I want to ask you now what what's in the future for you what are you up to over the next course of this year next year this year I'm focusing hopefully on just helping more women I think that things will probably pick up a little bit now that we're coming you know where we are in the year and um hopefully yeah can help more women um that is my main that's my main focus this year and then for next year just build just building on it and see where it goes and see what happens I feel just very passionate about what I do um and I think it's it's important it's important work and I realize that because when I have these conversations with women sometimes they'll go away and then they'll message me after and say I've been thinking about what you said that's so right I can see how I'm doing this and I'm doing that um so I know that it is worth it and also I'm very passionate about asking people to do that work instead of buying into material things because a lot of people they have a bad day they think oh I'll I'll go on whatever retailer I'll spend loads of money I'll buy these clothes that'll make me feel better actually if they spent the same amount of money working with someone who could help them through those issues then that is lifelong that's a lifelong improvement to their lives and the way they feel and their well-being and I think we kind of I think the wellness the wellness the coaching industry in this we're kind of catching up a little bit with America say but we're still really far behind you know when you talk to people about this stuff a lot of people do just look at you like you're insane (laughs) they look at you like you're crazy and they can't see that actually they've benefited so much more from doing this stuff as uncomfortable as it might be sometimes than they would be from going onto a retailer spending loads of money um on stuff that they're never gonna wear yeah I completely resonate not that people can see us on this recording but um Sam and I can see each other and when she was just saying there about being behind a little bit behind America I can so see that too because you're right when I talk to people about the coaching work that I do with women I get the odd kind of look or the odd comment and I'm like it's I'm like yeah it is actually a thing it's needed like hello we need to kind of progress and help women and I'm very obviously the same as you very passionate about women so helping them progress and push forwards Sam is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today no I just want them to believe in themselves and know that there isn't anything that they can't do um and that even on your toughest days you are still amazing and sometimes it helps a little thing that I do sometimes when I'm having a bad day or I can't see the progress I'm making is I'll journal as if I'm someone else So I'll try and look at myself the way that other people would see me because you're always your your own harshest critic. And doing that just really helps put things into perspective about how amazing you are and all the things that you've done. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, for joining me today on Speak Female. It has been so wonderful to have a really raw, honest, authentic conversation. 
thank you for having me i've loved i've loved it i've loved talking to you okay and thank you to you for listening today if you haven't done so already please subscribe share speak female across your network and also leave a review this helps spread the message and the more people we can reach the better check out the podcast notes where you can find my email address contact details for sam and how you can sign up to the newsletter coaching hub and in the words of oprah think like a queen a queen is not afraid to fail failure is another stepping stone to greatness See you next time.